friends, Nashvillians, countrymen, lend me your ears. It is I, the Poptimist, here to bring you another episode. But before we get started with that, there are a few things I want to let you know about. For one, I have a show this Saturday, the 13th of October at the Blue Bear Barn in Antioch with Emma Holden, where I will be playing bass. Speaking of playing bass, I am a bass player and a producer also for hire. Feel free to reach out to me through uh, Instagram, which is the underscore poptimist, my email, thepoptimistpodcast at gmail.com, or Facebook, uh, Taylor Berryman, uh, or Carrier Pigeon. That's another good way to reach me. Um, I think pigeons can pretty much find anybody anywhere. Um, also, next week, episode 43 will be going up with Justin Collins from Justin in the Cosmics. Very talented guy. It was an honor to speak to him. It was the first time that we, uh, we got together. Uh, I've been meaning to get together with him for a while. It finally happened. We did the podcast and we hung out for like four hours and just talked about music and shot the shit. So uh, that's going to be fantastic. I hope you enjoy it. Justin just uh, released a record called Perf. It's Perf. Go check it out. Let's go. Welcome to The Poptimist. Today we have two guests, the first of which is Marissa Olenicek. Uh, we just saw Houndmouth at the Mercy Lounge. Uh, it was fantastic. I had the pleasure of earlier uh, earlier this afternoon getting to interview Zach from Houndmouth. What did you think of the show? Oh, it was awesome. I had a great time. Um, yeah, it was something I could move to and something I really enjoyed listening to. So They were really grooving. They were grooving, yeah. They were grooving. I, the bass player was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I also really like the fact that they had not one, but two saxophones. Two saxophones. Two I saxophones. loved that. Um, yeah, they actually had a big band for a live setup because they had the drummer, two guitar players. Mm-hmm. Matt is, uh, sings and plays guitar. Um, the three main dudes sing, uh, Cody, uh, and, uh, and Zach, they, they both sing too. Okay. And then there was, uh, the keyboard player. Uh, played, he was back in one corner, and then one of the sax players also doubled as a keyboard player. Yeah, I saw that. And one, the other sax player uh, doubled as a percussionist. So I think anytime a band has a setup like that where they, they have even a percussionist, it makes it super dancey. Yeah. And movable. But long story short, they're a fantastic band. Um, thank you for coming on my show. Thank you to, uh, to Rick from Warner Brothers for... Um, hitting me up to have them on. Uh, Zach was a pleasure to speak to. Um, you can find them on Instagram uh, as Houndmouth and on their website, which is houndmouth.com. Um, let me actually read off some tour dates because they are going to be all over this great country of ours. And let's see here. If I can actually do this. If I can multitask. Right now, it's just dead silence. <laughs> okay, so they are going to be on the 12th of October in Memphis, uh, followed by the 13th in New Orleans, the 14th in Austin, Texas, uh, and then they're going to be taking a little break, and back in November 2nd, they'll be playing in Cleveland, 
November 3rd, Rochester, New York. November 6th, uh, they're going to be at uh, in New York, New York. Philadelphia on the 9th. New Haven, Connecticut on 1110. Uh, Montreal, Canada. Quebec. It's pronounced Quebec. Quebec. Right. Um, on the 11th. And then on the 13th, uh, in Boston at the Boston House of Blues. Great venue. Cincinnati, Ohio on the 16th. And then on the 29th, Chicago, Illinois. Very nice. So uh, congratulations to Houndmouth on their fantastic new album. Came out a few months ago. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. You are about to listen to their song, Golden Age. And then you will be hearing the interview with Zach.
Welcome to the Poptimist. Today we have Zach Appleby from Houndmouth. Hey. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. How are you doing here in beautiful Nashville? Wonderful. Just Wonderful. had, um, what is it, peg legs? Peg leg porker. Was Man, it good? Insane. I've never had it. Insane. I got wings, nachos, and the smoked green beans, and it was insane. Did you see that drone just go by the window? No. Was am, I, am I losing my mind? Was there a drone? Do you guys have paparazzi here look, or something? Look, look, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Okay, so there's a drone flying right outside of the window right now. Did it just go into those trees or something? No, no. Uh, our monitor engineer, Patrick, got a drone and it was his. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Is he just bringing it out on tour, flying it everywhere? Yeah. It's been pretty cool. That is kind of cool. So you guys just released your, uh, your new album, Golden Age. We did. In August. Yeah. Yep. So what was the writing and recording process for that like? Um, it was really, it was a, much different than our first two records. The idea was to try to create this sound in the studio. So we wanted to try to form this record from the studio, which was a really... Use it as an instrument. Exactly. And the previous records, we just, we would just practice for hours and hours a day and just like have this thing down. Then we go in the studio and we'd be like, this is how it sounds, like we've got it down, we just want to just, just record this, just track this. Mm -hmm. But for this record, it's more like, hey, let's go in there and see what we can do, like how can we use all of this gear that we're unfamiliar with and try to get our hand, our head wrapped around this whole thing. You know well, I mean? compared to your other stuff, it seems much more dancey, like the, the beats are different, the feel is different. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was honestly the beats are all kind of straightforward, and that's what gives it that 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 boom, the party feel, the party feel, which yeah. everybody loves. Like it's, oh, it's yeah. hard not to relate to just yeah. like a, a kick and a snare going at one twenty BPM. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Bruno Mars was just uh, just in Nashville these past two nights, mm -hmm. and I think he really perfected the art of that on oh, his, yeah. his most recent record. He's a, he's a force. Yeah, actually, I saw, I had heard of him. In Sorry, that was a no, that sounds like sound there's check. yeah sound check it out there. I heard I had heard of him and then I heard a song so I was like yeah it's pop yeah I'm not really into it whatever but and then a buddy of mine was like you have to watch this interview that he gave or this radio thing and he just he goes in with an acoustic guitar and just slays and his voice is just immaculate uh, just yeah. just how it sounds on the record and that's when I was like. Oh, okay. This well, he does that like, that James Brown thing with, with his voice too, yeah, where yeah. he just has like an ungodly it's in, shriek. It's insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very talented guy. Yeah. So you guys, um, you released the record. Was was there like a conscious effort when you were going in? You said you wanted to kind of use the studio as an instrument. What were what were some of the influences behind this one? Did did it that change at all with the uh, band? Was it conscious? Um, it wasn't a conscious thing, but it was a very much like we went in knowing that it was going to be a different sound, so we kind of had to take all that we had done before and try to forget that and just come back in and re reuse this whole, this whole, uh, what's a good word, this whole atmosphere, I guess, that we had. Mm -hmm. And we had been listening to a lot more hip-hop because really? right okay. now, I think hip-hop is, um, is that a huge, huge, not, I don't even want to say pinnacle, but it's like on, it's like on this huge rise, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just doing everything right. They're doing everything right. The sounds they're creating and stuff, they're just... Because in music, creating new things is huge. Like, to, to have, you have to do that in order to be 
um, like, I don't know, I just, I just couldn't imagine. Keep it going. Keep it going. I yeah. couldn't imagine doing the same thing over and over and over. With like, and that's what we kind of got sick of. Uh, drums, bass, guitar, keys. Drums, bass, guitar, keys. Drums, bass, guitar, keys. Mm-hmm. On all these tracks. And it's like, yeah, you can make a lot of cool stuff out of that. But after a while, it's just like... You have to get creative with it's it. It's like, what else is there, man? And, and hip-hop, and they just... They're on this whole note level now, where it's not just 808s anymore, you know? No. It's like, oh my God, I, they, they create these sounds. My biggest example that I can think of is Vince Staples, that Big Fish Theory album. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Um, Vince Staples, uh, did he guest with, or do something with Chance the Rapper or something like that? He did, he did something with Kendrick on this record, and it's a song called, um, Yeah Right. And they recorded this speaker that was, this is what I think, I don't know yeah. how they did it sounds like they recorded a speaker that was blown. Mm-hmm. And so when you're playing it through your car or your headphones, it's like, is this bass just destroying my, my whole shit right now? Or is yeah. this like, but it's not. It just, that's the sound they recorded. And that's, that's, and it's just beautiful. Yes, that's exactly what that song needed. Well, hip hop really, it's become now what I think rock and roll was in the 70s where it starts to split off into all these subgenres, yeah. totally, yeah. And that's kind of like the new thing because there's there's not even really a way to keep up with all the genres that are happening right now. And it's like different areas in the world. What's crazy is that there's like French rap. And that have you ever heard any oh, stuff like that no. before? It was like people rapping in French. I don't know anybody in particular. I've just seen stuff on YouTube or like Arabic rap or all this crazy shit that's happening now. And it's like America is kind of almost like jazz in a way too where America kind of invented it and then there's French jazz, there's Ethiopian jazz. Yeah, it jazz. just goes everywhere. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just an art form that, that seems to go across um, like multiple cultures around the world. And talking about the, like, France specifically, the M83 stuff that's coming out, it's just... Oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, I don't I just got into that. I don't know much about that at all, uh-huh. but it's just insane. I know they that worked junk, with... Album, that album, Junk, is just... I don't, I don't know that one. one. It's, it's, it's the... Uh, it's the hit that it's the hit. I forget what it is, but it's just it's where it's insane. like. Boop, 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 I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah. It's gonna drive me absolutely nuts. It's um, it's got do it, try it, and then it starts like that. That album does, but then it's um, it's on my recent ones here actually. Go featuring Mylan. Mylan, I guess is how you say. It. I'm not sure. That I'm gonna come just. I don't know if I know that one. There. I know the one where they're all si- like sitting in like a yard or something like that, and they're outside. Oh, see, I, I've only listened to the album. My buddy mine was like, "This is the album," so I downloaded it. I haven't even seen the videos. Yeah, I, I don't know it, but they they kind of have that um, that sound of like where they're they're kind of using the studio as an instrument too. Yeah, and I know the um, the producer, or like the guy who kind of does things in that band. He did a couple songs with the Killers and really changed their sound a lot. Oh, right. Yeah, um, he did two songs with them that was released on their Greatest Hits album, Direct Hits, and it just sounds different from anything that they did. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, kind of reimagined their sound. Yeah, and but it's th- it's crazy how that can be done. Like, yeah. Even for this album, for us, it's like if you break all these songs down, they were all still written with like with a guitar and a bass and drums. Like if you break them all down and then. Once you put them in the studio and you can start experimenting with all this stuff and adding and putting all these layers on top of it, it's just so fun. It's just... Well, that really makes me think about music in general and how um, I, I have this theory that I think deep down all music is folk music. Oh, totally. Because we learn from, like, for me personally, I always had mentors that I, that I played with. Mm-hmm. 
and they taught me how to play. But, of course, at a certain point, you don't want to always play what you were told to play or how you were taught to play. You want to do your own thing. Exactly. And then the cycle continues. There's going to be someone that you meet one day who's a kid who's going to be like, this is like my thing. And they're going to reject whatever it is that you teach them or you show them. And rightly so, man. If you go into something thinking, okay, this is how it was. And that was, for a long time when I was playing guitar, that was me. I was like, well, that's... You know that 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 no, it's just not the scale. That's just not gonna work. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and for the longest time that was me. And then it's just like, oh, nobody gives a shit about that. No. Yeah. It just, just do what you feel and make it sound like you want it to sound, and put it out in the world, and it's an incredible feeling. That's what makes I think music special, and the thing that we really lost in the past couple of years is the human touch. Totally. And, and individualism in music, because the way that I touch an instrument will be different than how you touch an instrument. And we might be playing the same song. Right. Right. So it's something I think that's always growing, changing, and evolving in front of us. And it's easy to bemoan it and think that it's a terrible thing. But I think that really it's just, it's the cycle continuing. It's evolution. It's expanding. It's like, it's like what you're talking about, genres and stuff. That's the worst. That's, the, that's the, one of the worst questions that we get asked is like, what genre is your, is this album? What genre is this album? Well, what, what kind of music can you guys play? It's like, I don't know, it's, it's such a tough question, you know what I mean? It's music. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that. It's yeah. Just, I feel like it's a very, I can tell immediately when somebody's just kind of writing shit off, and they're like, oh, okay, what kind of music you guys play? Uh-huh. Like, oh, well, fuck that. I don't, I don't, yeah, I know that you don't care right now. Yeah. Yeah. Or that you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, in general, just with the way that everything is, this is, this is really the best time to be a music fan ever. Yeah. Which is what, uh, I feel like is not talked about enough. It's the most exciting time to be a fan because we have Apple Music, we have Spotify, we have YouTube. And granted, those things are bad in a way because they, they, they cut into artists getting paid and everything like that. But at your fingertips, you can have the entire, like whatever genre you're into or whatever you want to study, you can become a master of. Yeah. And you can find a video probably of some person teaching you how to play those chords in that order. It's like, you can look, look up right now online, you can find Gypsy Jazz, like, how to play gypsy jazz if you want to play gypsy that's jazz. That's so funny. That's, that should be that should be like hey, in the next interview that you do is with somebody that's like been to a million festivals and like what do you and hopefully it's not like just because of the like there's a lot of there's like oh, I just want to go out and get fucked up and yeah. have a good time. But a lot of people actually enjoy a, just a wide variety right. of stuff like that. And that would be a really cool interview. That's that's a great idea. I think that's part of the reason why festivals are so successful. It's wild to me because for me it is like I I see a festival in one light, and for me to think of going out and being out in the crowd and like having to run from place to place and all this it just it seems very overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. Especially and, when you're on mushrooms. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? Like, yeah. yeah I, to me, it's like no. I I'm gonna take mushrooms backstage, like in the safety of my yeah. <laughs> like, you know, own space. But like that that whole mindset, I just I really need to work on developing that mindset of just being out in the shit because it used to be so fun to me I was always the guy like jumping up and down in the crowd like I was loving it loving it loving it loving it and then once you're on this side of things it's really hard to jump back into that side of things you know what I mean like it was a, it was a weird transition to come to creating the like to create the creating side and it's even harder to get back to the enjoying side there is this duality that I think exists in every musician which is Fan and then craftsman. Yeah. And it's figuring out how to reconcile those two sides. It's impossible. Well, that's not impossible, but it's really hard for me, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. 
because yeah. there was we we did a show with um, Jay Roddy Walston in the business. You familiar with those guys? No, never heard of them. Awesome band out of um, are they out of Richmond or Baltimore? I don't know. Either way, you should totally check them out. They're great. But we did a show with them, like one of our first touring shows at Radio Radio in Indy, and we ended up playing our set or whatever, and opened up for them. And then afterwards, we were like front and center yeah. ready to go you know <laughs> and looking back like that's the I don't know if that's like the I don't know if that's flattering for them if they're like oh my god these fucking dorks are out of here like what are they doing I think it's great whenever whenever people are not afraid to show their fandom for music right it's, and it's so it's so hard like there's a weird line that you have to walk now with like being uh, you have to kind of be cool about everything but there is no there's no cool anymore you know what I mean that's everything's, true everything's so extravagant one way or the other there's no cool anymore just as long as you're who you are and you try to be who you want to be, I think that that's people are more accepting now of everything, which I think is a cool thing. I would agree with that. What were your um, influences growing up? Like, what was the first music that you heard that you were like, okay, there's something in this that deeply resonates with me? So, my dad was an old soul, like, well, not, I guess he, so he was younger. Okay, let me try to think. All of my friends' parents are older than my dad is. So they all uh, were introduced to a lot of uh, classic rock stuff, a lot of blues stuff and all that. But my dad, being a little bit younger, he was born in 63. So his prime time was like, I guess, 79, 80. And then he got into Parliament really heavy. Oh, fuck yeah. And so like all this stuff from growing up, oh, it's really funky. And it's like... Not really bass heavy. Really bass heavy, which is hilarious because I didn't play bass until this band. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. But all that stuff just really resonated with me. I loved all that soul mm. and all that groove. It just really felt good, you know? Yeah. It's. But then, of course, you had like the classics, like coming to the A's, like the Cars was a huge. Oh yeah. That was a huge band in our household. Yeah. Just stuff like that. Um, I really love Candy O a lot. Yeah. That's a great album. <laughs> yeah. That, God, they just. And what's crazy is that you hear a name like that and you're like, nah, I don't know anything about those guys. Yeah. You listen to them so much. Like, oh, I know that one. Yeah. And I know that one. Well, that they one. had a formidable, uh, like a formidable set of great, like greatest hits. Yeah. It's really good. And then I feel like they were um, one of the bands that really figured out the formula, mm-hmm. and they just rocked this formula of uh, like a classic rock song. Like as much as I hate to um, say anything about the pop stuff, like it was, but like if you look at a band like. Nickelback or something that everybody casts all this hate on and all yeah. that. They figured it out, man. Dude, they, they figured f- out them, man. In a big way. Yeah. And they just, and they fucking slayed. And they they play arenas. And they, for a reason. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah, they get, and they're just sitting there laughing and everybody hating them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a funny thing. It's a funny, funny thing. So you play a P bass. I do. And what kind of strings do you have on that? Um... Those uh, roto sounds, flat wounds. Okay, so you're a yeah. flat wound fan. I love it. Yeah, I love that. So I just actually started um, dialing in like the more woody sound, my tone, the tone knob on the P bass. Uh huh. And I'm getting into that a little bit. So I don't know if I'm gonna switch back to the round wounds or not. Yeah, because they cut through in a different way. They really do. Yeah. Because before that, my sound was that I wanted that old school soul. That. Yeah. But now it's like I really like the. I'm really getting into the. the mid-range of it yeah yeah uh, I'm a flat fan myself I play Labellas yeah on a P bass I have this um, this 2004 Japanese P bass and it just sounds 
killer. Yeah. Like, better than some American basses that I've played. And um, I just love that thuddy sound. For a while, I rocked the uh, the mute on it. Like, all the pieces, you know, the, the old ones, they have, like, that those ashtray yeah, yeah, yeah. bridge covers. And I pulled that off recently, and I realized how strong my left hand had gotten because the whole time it was just had that pressure on it from the mute that was in there. Oh, no way. Yeah, so my left hand was super quick, and it never was for a P bass, you know, versus, of course, a jazz bass. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. fly up and down the neck. So it was like, now I'm able to play a P bass like I'm able to play a jazz bass just because of the dexterity in my fingers have gotten that much stronger. That's cool, yeah. 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 Um, I heard that you build speakers. That cab out there is yours. Yeah, yeah. My buddy and I, we... Well, I started a company. It's a very, very loose term. We built like probably ten or twelve cabs, but um, but yeah, it's called a can do, and it's a, a ton of fun. And our idea is that like if we can build cabs without sparing any expense, like that's got to be the end all, be all of the cabs. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like what I have out there now is an eight ten. It's made out of cherry, and we put I think three rolls of insulation in it. It sounds powerful. And we used um, the Weber speakers. Like, we, we tried to go, like, all in. All in, you know what I mean? And it cost us a fucking fortune, but it was like, yeah. but it sounds great. I love it. Yeah. Like, and then you mix that with the Ampeg head, that SBT. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Just, yeah, that ballsy punch. Yeah. Where can people find, um, find that? Do you have a website up for your speakers or anything like that yet? No, I think. Adam may have made a Facebook page. Okay. But I don't even know. And it's can do, right? C A N D O? Yes. Okay. Yeah, on Facebook. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so if you're if you're in the market for for a, a high end speaker cab yeah, where no expenses yeah. are spared, <laughs> yeah. can do is the company for you. Let us know. Let us know. For sure. That'd so, be hilarious. We have to check that Facebook now. Yeah. yeah. Um, on a closing note, what was your favorite Halloween as a kid? My favorite Halloween? Yeah. Like preteen years, you can do you can do either either or. So I didn't really um, didn't grow up with a lot of money, and my mom was really really good. Like, oh, well, we'll just do this. We'll just do this, and then you know it was kind of one of those things. So one year she took out her makeup and stuff and gave me like a beard. This was when I was like, God, six or seven. Gave me this weird beard. I put on my dad's overalls and his flannel shirt, and she stuffed my gut with pillows. She's like, "You're a fat farmer." <laughs> well, there you go. And that's what, and I was so proud of that. I was like, "I'm a fat farmer," and I had this funny like, "Well, because I was still young, so I was like, my R's weren't exactly yeah. prevalent." So it was like this adorable thing that my mom constructed in her head because she knew that I couldn't say my R's. And yeah. So she was like, "This is gonna be adorable." <laughs> and she was like spot on. It was, it was great, but it was like just this makeshift costume, and I, I love it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming Dude, on. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah.